0: Please grab your bibles and turn to joshua chapter 2. We're in the sixth book of the old testament If you don't have a bible with you, we've got some people coming around with bibles Please flag them down and uh, I would just want to encourage you if you're not used to bringing your bible to church I'd like to encourage you to get used to bringing your bible to church Uh, we are all about it and digging into it. We're in joshua chapter 2 the book of joshua uh, Begins with god giving joshua two promises And uh, two directives in chapter one. And then Joshua in the latter half of chapter one, he he tells his leadership to tell the people uh, to prepare your provisions. A key statement in what's happening here in these beginning chapters of Joshua And that includes a conversation with the two and a half Transjordan tribes. Those are the two and a half tribes on the east side of the Jordan River that are over there. And we talked about that last week and telling them to prepare themselves and uh, to stay true to their commitment. And uh, in the end of Joshua chapter one, we see this reply back to Joshua uh, of their confidence in him and their prayer for him. Joshua, may the Lord be with you and their seriousness Uh, big-time seriousness about this whole endeavor there, and then finishing off with a a call back to Joshua saying, Joshua, you be strong and courageous. Uh, That's what we need from you. Well, we talked about prepare your provisions and how Uh, This year, 2013, is a key year for preparing our provisions. You've heard about with the facility and so forth. And I just kind of want to take a quick little rabbit trail along with that, that um, uh, two items. Number one, we as a church and leadership, uh, we've transitioned, uh, had some transition, our local Beyond Our Walls. Hans Stonehouse is right over here, and Hans, one of our deacons, he's been serving so faithfully in that area, and he's been willing to transition over and helping us. Kind of take some lead on our uh, Sunday numbers, finances, and processing systems here in the morning. He's going to be helping with that and so grateful for that. And then Nate Schmidt is going to be stepping in and our local Beyond Our Walls lead guy for that and so excited uh, about that taking place. And I'm just grateful for guys like this. This is part of what I've been talking about. Prepare your provisions. We're in this process of uh, doing some things and uh, more are going to be coming secondly along with that as elders we've been having discussions for some time now just about uh, when are we going to be able to get and when are we going to be able to afford some administrative assistance in the office with the pastors and we really uh, didn 't think that would be happening until the very end of this year when we move into a facility or even the beginning of next year, in light of the fact we 're in a construction process we 've got a very lean budget and those types of things but i tell you there 's just a number of things happening, and this is one of them where God just showed up in ways I did not expect for him to show up and Uh, Just a sweet story of God's goodness. But we've had, uh, just this last week, Danielle Ogden. Danielle, would you please stand? Has just started working with us in our office. And uh, Danielle is working two days a week uh, in the office uh, during this year. And we're just thrilled to have her. Danielle just graduated from IU this last year in the arena of uh, human development and family studies. She was an intern this summer at 12 Stones Ministries down in the Bloomington area for three, four months. Uh, With that, uh, has been here in the area living with mom and dad at this point in time, and she's joining on with us, and I'm just thrilled about that. Along with that, Chris Alley, who just helps us so much with our Sunday media stuff, and Chris is at the media desk right now, and Chris has just been willing to continue serving on his Friday role in just a volunteer capacity. And I got to tell you, Friday for me personally was a sweet day in the office. I'm just sitting in my office, and there I've got our pastors, and we've got uh, Danielle and Chris there. It was a sweet day for me personally. And I am so excited about what the Lord's doing. And this is just, I wanted to give you a couple examples of preparing our provisions for the year and uh, what God is doing. So let's roll, right? god is good and more is coming believe me you'll be hearing as time moves along well today we're in joshua chapter 2 so uh, you know what Uh, i'm so jacked up about this passage that i'm going to ask us to pause and pray again because uh i gotta kind of get my mind going god you know i am excited about this passage and i would just ask that you would speak Lord, my mind's just running all kinds of places, all kinds of truths, all kinds of blessings, all kinds of sweet moments, even in things this last week out of this passage you've done in my life, and uh, reminding me of who you are. You are God. Lord, you're amazing. And you do stunning things. And I would ask you just show us more of you this morning out of Joshua chapter 2. This is a crazy chapter that you've allowed to be written, and it speaks all about you. May we savor it. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, Bible's open to Joshua chapter 2. You there? Okay, well, this is a unique, unique chapter. Um, There are just... All kinds of conversations that can come out of Joshua chapter 2. I mean, this is, talks about a, a covert spy mission that's taking place, right? In war, in the beginning stages of war, it has a prostitute it's, as its central character. In the chapter, it has talk of lies and deception. It, it has treasonous harboring of an enemy. Uh, even, we won't even get there, but even uh, the, the Hebrew language itself contained within it has this aspect of some sexual innuendos that are taking place. And This is a crazy passage. And this is a passage that has all kinds of conversations that can come out of it, and and sometimes as uh, pastors, this can be one of those passages. Certain areas you want to just skip over, uh, but we're committed to be going verse by verse, walking through passages on what's taking place with that, and uh, so we get to dive in uh, to this very interesting stuff. Now, um, I'm not going to key in on all the interesting conversations. But I'm also not going to ignore them this morning. In fact, I want to talk about them in a little bit of a way to to do some teaching with us. Uh, Joshua chapter 2 is structured like a sandwich, a big, giant sandwich. And uh, what I mean by that is is it has two slices of bread on each end and the meat's in the middle. Joshua chapter 2 is not a bread sandwich, it is a meat sandwich. And and I bring that up because we're going to be on the meat today... Um and let me kinda but I want to begin with the carbs. Okay? I want to begin with the carbs because I love bread and, and I want to talk about it in this kind of illustration to, to do a little bit of teaching. So let's read slice number one. It starts in verse one and goes through verse seven. Let's read that, then we're gonna read slice number two. Talk about that for a little bit, and then we're gonna come back to the middle of the sandwich, and we're gonna dive in and, and eat. Uh Joshua chapter two, verse one in Joshua. "'The son of Nun sent two men secretly from Shatem as spies, "'saying, go, view the land, especially Jericho. "'And they went, and they came into the house of a prostitute.'" mm, Awkward. "'Whose name was Rahab, and they lodged there. "'And it was told to the king of Jericho, "'Behold, men of Israel have come here tonight and "'and search out the land.'" Uh, then the king of Jericho sent to Rahab saying, bring out the men you have come that have come to you who entered your house for they have come to search out all the land. But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. And she said, true, the men came to me, but I did not know where they were from. Mm. And when the gate was about to be closed at dark, the men went out, lie. I do not know where the men went, lie. Pursue them quickly for you will overtake them, lie. Verse six, but she had brought them up to the roof and hid them in the stalks of flax that she had laid in order on the roof. So the men pursued after them on the way to Jordan as far as the fords and the gate was shut as soon as the pursuers had gone out. Uh, Pause just for a second. Uh, The end of verse 7 is really quite a climactic moment in the telling of the story because these two guys come, they're they're hiding under this, and all of a sudden the gates go down and they're stuck in this town. Okay, don't don't lose the literary flow of a story. This is the tense moment here right after verse 7. But let's go read the other slice of bread. And let's pick that up in verse 15. Then she, Rahab, let them down by a rope through the window for her house was built into the city wall so that she lived in the wall. And she said to them, go into the hills or the pursuers will encounter you and hide there three days until the pursuers have returned. And then afterward, you may go your way. And the men said to her, we will be guiltless with respect to this oath of yours that you have made us swear. Behold, we will come into the land. You shall uh, tie the scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down and, and you shall gather into your house your father and your mother, your brothers and all your father's household. And then if anyone goes out of the doors of your house into the street, his blood shall be on his own head and we shall be guiltless. But if a hand is laid on anyone who is with you in the house, his blood shall be on your head, on our head, I'm sorry. Verse 20. But if you tell this business of ours, then we shall be guiltless with respect to your oath that you have made us swear. And she said, according to your words, so be it. then she sent them away and they departed and she tied the scarlet cord in the window. They departed and they went into the hills and remained there three days until the pursuers returned and the pursuers searched out all along the way and found nothing. then the two men returned back on the other side of the Jordan. And they came down from the hills and passed over and came to Joshua, the son of Nun, and they told him all that had happened to them. And they said to Joshua, truly the Lord has given all the land into our hands. And also all the inhabitants of the land melt away because of us. There's some really important information that comes out of these two slices of bread in this, in this chapter. Let me just give you some. Slice number one tells us that Joshua secretly sends these, these two men to spy out Jericho in the area. So they go to Jericho, and they go to Rahab's house, a prostitute's house. Mm. <laughs> Awkward. Uh, the king of Jericho finds out about them. Uh, we see here that he sends two of, uh, some of his men to Rahab's house questioning her about them. And the two spies are hiding, we learned. Rahab lies to them. The king's men go looking, following up after Rahab's lies, and the city gates are shut. Then in the second, uh, at the end of the chapter, the second slice of bread, we learn that the two spies cut a, have cut a deal with Rahab. Rahab, a Canaanite. They cut a deal with a Canaanite. And they cut a deal with a Canaanite prostitute. They crawl out of her house, uh, which is on the city wall uh, edge, out of her window with a rope. They heat her input to hide in the hills for three days. And then the two spies go home and they report to Joshua. Now, there are a ton of questions that can come out of these two slices of bread. And in fact, if you were to go and read commentaries as I have with this and preparing for this, you just see all these conversations taking place in these questions and and viable questions and ethical questions and and good questions to talk about. In fact, here's 20 of them I've come up with, uh, 10 for each slice of bread. Let me just read them to you. Why the covert mission when God did not tell Joshua to do a covert mission? God had told Moses, to send the 12 spies, but here we don't see that happen with Joshua. Oh, but then in the Old Testament also there was a time where Moses did send some spies that God didn't well, let's see why. Hmm. And why the covert mission when God said he had already given it to them? I mean, God has said, "I've already given you the land. I've already given you this place." Why do they have to do a covert mission to spy it out if God's already given it to them? Here's another one. Is it covert and not public because of Joshua's Numbers 13 experience? In other words, in his Numbers 13 experience, he was uh, one of the 12 spies. He came back, they gave a report to the people, and the people were like, no, don't go, we don't want to go. And they bagged the whole thing. And he's like, you know what, I'm done with the committee thing. (laughs) I'm just doing this covert with two. Here's another one. Is it two men instead of, say, 12 because of his experience there? Ten of the men that came back of the 12 before, Joshua was one of the two that said, let's do it. The other ten said, "Uh uh-uh, they're too big. Number five, why are the names of the two spies not given? Did you notice that? We don't know. Is it Billy Bob? And, and, and We don't know. There's no names of the two spies. Uh, six, how did they expect to stay unnoticed in a city that fits inside Lucas Oil Stadium? Did you know that? Jericho, inside the walls, it's only about nine acres. Uh, I think uh, Lucas Oil Stadium, as I saw on the web, I think that's 12 acres under roof. Jericho fits inside that. How could they get lost in a In a city that's kind of that small. Oh, why would two of God's people go stay in a prostitute's house? That's a big, good question. Here's number eight Rahab lied. And it all ends up working out for her and her family. So is lying okay? By the way, let me just, as an example, Smuggling Bibles into a country that doesn't allow Bibles to come in. Let's say you have Bibles in your suitcase. You're bringing them in. You're smuggling in. Is that okay? What if you get stopped at the passport check-in and they ask you, do you have Bibles in your suitcase? And you do. What do you say? Here's another one. You're in Nazi Germany. And an SS guard comes to your door and you ask if you're harboring Jews. And Anne Frank is up in your attic. What do you do? But then you go to Hebrews and you find out that the midwives in Exodus chapter 1, it tells us that they lied to the leadership and it tells us that the midwives feared God. (laughs) So is lying okay? But then there's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They decided not to lie and to be straight up about it all. And yet God worked there. And oh, by the way, Daniel and the lions. Then Daniel stood up for truth and God did there. Do you see what I'm talking about? It's good conversations. Number nine, how did king, the king of Jericho find out two Israelites had entered into Jericho? Doesn't tell us. In uh, the last one, and how did the king's men know to go to Rahab's house? Let's go to slice number two, 10 more questions. Where in the city was Rahab's place? Was it in the low rent, the high rent, and the red light district? Uh, why are two Israelite men making a covenant vow with a Canaanite and a Canaanite woman? I thought the Bible said that they should never do that in the Old Testament. 13, why did the two spies make a covenant vow to save Rahab and her family? Didn't God say to wipe them all out? Uh, Was Rahab's rope the same as the scarlet cord? (laughs) There's a lot of talk about that. And what's it matter? 15, why are they trusting her? a foreigner and a prostitute with their lives. And why is she trusting them? Enemies coming to take out their city. Why is she trusting them with her life, with, with her life? And if the spies were in the hills for three days, how does that work with chapter one and chapter three when both of them talk about three days? And there's lots of discussion about that. Number 18, uh, did the spies only give the report to Joshua or is is it just told here about Joshua is the central character? 19, why does the writer only include two sentences of what happened at the end? He says he told him everything, but then he includes two sentences. Why those two pieces of information? And here's my last question out of the whole thing. Why is chapter two even there? Because you can read chapter one and pick up in chapter three, verse one, and it still all makes sense. Listen, these are interesting and good and and viable questions to be asked and questions that we could spend our time diving in this morning. But hear me on this. This is not a bread sandwich. This is a meat sandwich. And by the way, I only have one Sunday, okay? Also with this, I just want to kind of make a comment um, along with these conversations like those, all those questions can be good and viable, but I want to bring up three verses just in our memory. One is Titus 3.9, avoid foolish controversies, dissensions, and quarrels for they are unprofitable and worthless. Now, am I saying that these are foolish discussions? No, I'm not saying that, but they can lead there. Also along with that, 2 Timothy 2, 3, have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies, for you know that they breed quarrels. Again, I am not saying do not have the conversations. I am saying bread discussions can lead to unnecessary dissension. And we don't want to be that. And we don't want to get stuck there. A third verse to remember is James chapter 1, verse 22. Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. You know, sometimes we can get into all the interesting, ethical, uh, 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 curiosity conversations and these egghead conversations that end up kind of getting in a realm where it's, I'm so mature, I want to talk about this stuff at this level. And we just talk and we just talk. And after a little while, we start thinking our spiritual maturity is showing itself because we're talking about heady kinds of things, stuff that they talk about at seminaries and all the talk, 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 talk. And the scripture says, go and make disciples. And far too many followers of Christ and far too many churches have gotten stuck on all the little itty-bitty chewing on the bread and have lost sight of the meat of what's going. And I just want to bring that up as you consider discussions. Have them, enjoy them. I do. I love bread. but be careful, okay? So we're going to go in the meat. We're going to go to the central protein of this passage, all right? Mouths open, ready to go. It's meat time because we're going to be talking about God and relationship of God. Listen to this prostitute talk. Is that a bit awkward? But that's the truth. Listen to this. And let's start... In verse 8, verse 8. Before the men lay down up on the roof, she came up to them on the roof and said to the men, I know, I know that. She says, I know that the Lord has given you the land and that the fear of you has fallen upon us and that all the inhabitants of the land melt away before you pause. I love this. The text tells us that she comes to these men and she says, listen, I have three things I want to tell you that I know about. By the way, the word "know" in the Hebrew is a perfect tense. It it means that it's it's, it's a knowledge that's already taken place. The action of it has already occurred. She is not saying, oh, I just had a light bulb moment. She is not saying, oh, God just came upon me and just revealed this to me and I want to tell you about it. She is in the text, she is saying, listen, I want to tell you something that I already know about. That's very important in this. What is it? She says, I know that the Lord has given you this land. (sighs) By the way, given you in her statement, that's perfect tense. She is saying, I know it's already done. I know there's already a sold sign on our building. And in fact, it's sold and closing's already been done. And I know that the Lord has given you guys this land. She also says, I know that the fear of you has fallen upon us, not just her, but upon us. That has the clear context of all the people in Jericho. Third, she knows that all the inhabitants melt away before you. I love that. Well, let me summarize these. I'm a simple guy, okay? I'm just a simple, regular guy. And uh, I appreciate simplicity. So let me give an attempt to this. I think the first thing she's saying, I know that there is a big God. You got to understand, she's living in a pagan world with all kinds of small g gods. And she here is making this declaration, the Lord, it's literally Yahweh has given you this land. I mean, come on, seriously. If you were to say that, you're like, listen, this God of yours, this has got to be a pretty big God because essentially your God trumps all our gods. This is, you have a big God. Secondly, I think she is essentially saying big fear. Fear has fallen on us. Why has fear fallen on us? Fear has fallen on us because we know that Yahweh is leading you guys and you are going to take everything that's ours. fear. It's a fear for not only what's going to happen, but it's a fear of this God that is leading these people. Third in this, I would call this big doom. Big doom. She says "You know that the inhabitants of the land, we melt away before you. I, I like actually the way that King James says it. It says inhabitants of the land faint because of you. Israelites, oh, you know, they faint. We've given up. It literally carries this idea that that their resolve is gone. Just go ahead, take it. And by the way, didn't God say that he would just do exactly that? And here is this prostitute Canaanite woman declaring what God has already said he would do. She is saying, that's what's happening right around here, God. Love this. By the way, look at these three statements up on the screen. Big God, big fear, big doom. Those are the beginning truths of the gospel. Those are the beginning truths of the gospel. Listen, it's Ephesians 2 verses 1 through 3 in the Old Testament. She is saying there is a big God and he is like bigger than anything else I know of. And we have a fear coming out of that reality and we're doomed. She is spot on girl. Spot on. And here's my question. Okay, now we're in the meat. So I have a meat question. How did she know all this? Let's let's hang on that for a second. Because when I say that, I'm not so much talking about how how did she know the data, because I can understand how she knows the data of this. Information travels. And in this, we're going to find out that uh, others know about this. But she knows about this. I'm talking about the God connects in it. I mean, think about this. She just doesn't know pieces of data. She's connected the dots. She's like, wait a second. I've got information that Yahweh is leading you guys and you guys have already got this thing conquered. Oh my word, I should be fearful. We're doomed. She has a clear awareness of something happening here beyond pieces of knowledge. How does she know that? Answer, God goes before. Friends, out of this text, for me, this is one of the most hopeful and humbling parts of this whole text. You know, sometimes we just think God just so needs us. No, he doesn't. God's a big God. And God goes before. And not only does God go before, but God goes before declaring his glory. Do you know that? Hey, if you've come to the place where you've received Jesus Christ as your savior, do you know that God already went before, before you even made that commitment? God had already gone before working in your life. Do you know right now that this week we look ahead and we think, what's going to happen this week? Get this, God's already gone before. He's that involved. He's that engaged. And this, I'm not saying this to say that let's just sit back and not get involved and just let God do his thing. No, 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 no. Because all the information she's talking about here, she's talking about God's people, what God has done through God's people. But God goes before declaring his glory. That's the kind of God we have. And later on, I'm going to ask you, is that the kind of God that you see? Or do you have this idea that God is like disconnected and hard to get to know and he wants to make it really hard for you and I to get to know him? That is not the God of the scriptures. He goes before declaring his glory. He wants to be known. He wants to have relationship with you and I. And he is going before and revealing himself to an already judged and condemned people. Oh, this is so cool. Love this. God goes before. Verse 10, because she goes on. For we have heard how the Lord, uh, we have heard. By the way, do you see it's we? We. We've heard this information. What is the information? Oh, have heard. That's also perfect tense. Not just now, but we've already heard in the past about how the Lord, that's a cool statement. We just didn't hear about this information. They heard that Yahweh did something. We heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out, to, out of Egypt. By the way, before you, God goes before. This passage just rocks all over it. We've heard how God went before you. How long ago prior to this was the crossing of the Red Sea? Uh, Forty years ago. They knew information of what Yahweh did 40 years ago. How old is Rahab? I don't know. She could not have maybe even have been born when all of this was happening. But they've heard about it. They've heard about that, and they've heard about what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan to Sion and Og uh, when you devoted them to destruction. Uh, all of that story is coming out of Deuteronomy 3. I don't have the time to go over it. You can read it on your own, but this is the conquering of the east side of the Jordan. There were the two and a half tribes in their, in their land in that. And she said, we already know about that. Here's the cool thing, by the way. The start of the Red Sea and what she just stated there, that's the beginning of the wandering period and the end event of the wandering period. This gal is able to name the beginning and the end, and she probably knows a bunch of things in between. Uh, Let me summarize it up this way, because she's saying here she knows a couple other things. I would term it this way. She also knows Big Redemption. In other words, in the statement about the crossing of the Red Sea, that's a whole story of redemption. God redeems people. God redeems people. God is over here. Here are these slaves, these one, two million slave Hebrews in Egypt over here. And God goes before them, leading them out of slavery. God redeems people unto himself. Secondly, not only big redemption, but the reality also in the second statement about the king of the Amorites is big judgment. She also understands in this whole process that it's like, listen, if you want to fight God, God can fight, and it's called judgment. And she understands that. Big God, big fear, big doom, big redemption and big judgment. Friends, this is the gospel. This is the good news that God brings, that a great big God puts out there the reality that all of sin and fallen short of the glory of God. And we should fear the reality, the condition that we are, because we live in Jericho, and we're separated from the reality of what he's doing. But he redeems people. Well, what's happened here is Rahab has stated all the things that she knows. Here's the kicker. She is now going to give a response to what she knows. Because knowledge, just for knowledge's sake, it's just knowledge. It's just static information. Good, you can fill out the test. You can fill in the blank. So what? Watch what she does with the knowledge here. Verse 11, she summarizes kind of what she said. And as soon as we heard it, our hearts melted and there was no spirit left in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in the heavens above and on the earth beneath. Pause real quick. There's discussions. um, Was Rahab redeemed at this moment? I mean, in essence, is this the declaration of Rahab, as I say, driving the stake in the ground? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Was all of this a key moving point to Rahab's redemption? Uh, it could be. Was at this point she already redeemed and the Lord could be. But I do know this without question. Rahab was redeemed whether it was right here or whether it's down the road when she's literally living with the Israelites, I don't know, but I just want for you to know this. This woman is redeemed. Verse 12, now then, underline that. Very important statement because what she's doing is saying, I've just told you a bunch of information of things that I know. Now, in light of that information, I want to do something with that. I love it she's going to do something with it. Too often, too many people don't do anything with the knowledge that's been put before them. Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that as I have dealt kindly with you, you also will do kindly with my father's house. And give me a sure sign that you will save alive my father and my mother, my brothers and my sisters, and all belong to them and deliver our lives from death. This is where some of the conversation comes in. It's like, was she just kind of saving her hide and her family's hide? I don't know. But I'm telling you what, if this was a step or this was the full in, uh, this girl is redeemed by the end of the story. Verse 14, and the men said to her, our life for yours, even to death. If you do not tell this business of ours, then when the Lord gives us the land, we will deal kindly and faithfully with you. Let me just talk about her response here. It's interesting because her response is an Israelite-like response. Uh, Here is a Canaanite, here is a Gentile. This is at the closing of the wandering years of the people of Israel, about to enter in all that God has for them. And in essence, we meet this first, if you will, this first Gentile proclaiming Yahweh, who is a harlot. And there she is declaring Yahweh, man, is this cool. God redeems everybody who wants to be redeemed. And it's just just a beautiful thing out of here of what God is going to do. And here is this woman who essentially declares that in light of what I have come to know, in light of the knowledge that I have uh, come to understand, I need mercy. This is so beautiful because this is a person who has gone beyond the blah, blah, blah data. There's a God. He created. Okay, Jesus. All right, he did his stuff. Yeah, I believe in that. Wing ding. The Bible says that Satan and the the, the, uh, enemy believes that information as well. But they're not redeemed and here in this this woman she understands i am here and i am doomed help pull me out can we cut a deal <laughs> because i'm going down here's out of this why didn't anybody else in jericho do that because what she's saying before others had this same information why is she the only one who's going, help me mercy? Everybody else? It's like, okay, I know the information. Come on, God, let's have at it. Boom. Let's go to war. That's do, do you see that in this? Here, this woman has come to understand the truths of the Lord because the Lord goes first, and the fact of it all is she is on the dying team and she's in need of being rescued out. And what happens here literally is she commits treason. She commits treason here. She is harboring the enemy, her enemy at this point in time, if you will, harboring the enemy, and she commits treason and jumps to their side. That is the gospel. What does a person need to do? A person needs to first understand who God is, what God has done, what the information is on the table, and then you need to declare treason on yourself and join the other team. I love this. This is the gospel in the Old Testament being declared and here they are entering into the promised land for the first real deal time and this is the story we read about. God's gonna go before. God's gonna redeem people. He wants people to know of himself and he wants people to be called out and that's what's happening here. By the way, may I remind us that the scriptures tell us that the person without Christ, it says, is that enmity with God That's why coming to know the Lord as your Savior is literally committing treason on yourself. I'm doomed. I'm doomed. I need out. I need to relocate myself from Jericho and the people here because this is a dying team and I need to come over and I need to be on God's team you're a person who uh, genuinely doesn't know what the Bible has to say about God, I want to talk to you just for a moment. I want to encourage you to commit to coming to understand and gain some knowledge about who the God of the Bible is because it starts with knowledge. I'm not talking about what you may have been brought up with. I'm not talking about what Billy Bob next door says or Sally Sue down the road says. I'm just talking about in the scripture, what does God's word say about himself? I want to encourage you and challenge you. Go and get in the gospel of John in the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the first four uh, books of the Bible in the New Testament are about the story of Jesus Christ. Go to John and just start there and read it and just go, God, would you just show me who you are? Get some knowledge. And I want to encourage you, listen, grab onto someone else who can say, could you help me come just to understand? I I don't wanna hear what you think. I wanna hear what the Bible says. And we would love to do that. we got people up here at the end of the service. If, if you don't know anyone here and you just want someone to come along, we'd love, well, church, wouldn't we love to do that? We'd love to do that with people and help you understand and come to understand what the Bible has to say. And I want for you to know this. God is all about declaring himself. God is not hidden away and trying to stay away from you and trying to make himself hard to get to know. God wants you to know him. He wants you to know about him and he's going before and you need to be just encouraged along. And I want to add this. If you got junk in your life, that's okay because so did she and so does he. You owe it to yourself and to God to at least Get some real knowledge out of the scriptures of who God is, and then you make a choice. I want to encourage you with that. Uh, secondly, for the person who, is, who has some of that knowledge, who has an understanding of that, listen, may I remind you, knowledge without action is irrelevant knowledge. Good, you can fill in the blank on the test. So what? This isn't about a test. This is about a relationship. If you have that knowledge, I just want to encourage you in the fact that this is about a relationship and a relationship that requires you to declare treason on yourself. All of the people in Jericho that hear in a little while in the book, they heard the same information that Rahab did. They had the same knowledge but they had a different end. Why? Because it stayed as knowledge. And it didn't go any further than that. They wanted to stay right where they were at, be fine with where they were at, and it's a bad end. I want to encourage you to consider to declare mercy and treason on yourself. It's time to drive the stake in the ground because Rahab declares it, not just knows it. And I also want to say to you, if junk in your life is holding you back, Rahab's got a lot of junk. Join the team. Lastly, for those who know Christ as their Savior, you've come to a point where you just don't know, but you've driven the stake in the ground, you've committed trees, and you've joined the other team that at one point in time was your enemy. Are you still living in Jericho? We can declare we're on the other team and yet still live in Jericho. And if that's the case, it's time to understand, listen, this is not about an addition to, this is about a whole new life reality. And if you have some junk in your trunk right now going on, Confess it. Treason it. May I remind you that the Father ran to the returning Son. He's that kind of God. Also, for the person who knows Christ, I just out of this passage, in light of what I've talked about, I just want to ask, are you someone who gets stuck on the carbs and not on the About the meat and sometimes we can get into all these discussions and all these fluffy things that we talk about and I just want to bring you back and I want to bring us back in all this reality of it and I just want to remind you and I listen to me those discussions can be fun they can be interesting they can be helpful but hear me on this it's about the gospel it's about the meat it's to go and make disciples and they have their place Don't let them bag you off to the sidelines. And lastly, to those who know Christ as their Savior, it breaks my heart that at times Christians are the one who are ones who are known as the quickest to judge. You harlot, you addict, criminal, adulterer, creep, you liar. Abortionist, you con artist, criminal, sinner. Second Peter three nine. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promises. You hear that? He's quick to fulfill his promises. But he is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. Oh my, sometimes we are so quick to judge and slow to see faith. We need to be quick to see faith. Do you realize in the entire scriptures, after this whole story, Rahab's junk is never brought up, but her faith is. Hebrews 11. Rahab is brought up as an example of a woman who faith, but she lied in here, but, but faith, <laughs> but she's a prophet. No, but faith. We need to be quick to see faith and what God is doing in the lives of people. We need to remember that Satan is the one who's creeping around looking for whom he could devour. That's not the God of the universe. The God of the universe is going around seeking whom he can encourage and seeking whom he can show himself to. He wants to be known. That's our God. And let's not get him mixed up. How sweet! Lord God. Thank you for this passage. Thank you for this story centered upon a prostitute living in an immensely pagan world around her. And yet, you went before. You loved this woman. You love people. You even to the whole city of Jericho, you take no delight in going and seeing them destroyed. That's not the kind of thing that tickles your fancy. But you are holy and these are a people who even go back to Genesis 15 where it talks about their time of calamity has not come because the wrath has not built up. These are people you have continued to seek to reveal yourself to again and again and again and yet they have continued to reject you again and again and again and there comes a time where you're done. And yet I thank you that again and again you keep coming back even to a people that have been judged to conduct condemnation. And out of this, you have saved this woman and her family. You are a redeeming God. You desire relationship with those that you have created. You understand our condition And you're willing to get in our junk like you got in Rahab's junk. And you are willing to declare yourself and show yourself to a woman who is a prostitute. Oh God, you're awesome. I pray if there's anyone in here, Lord, this morning that they need to grow in their knowledge of you, that they'd get after it and they'd seek somebody out. It's a delight to come along someone like that. And Lord, I pray if there's a person in here who has the knowledge of you, but they've kept it in a knowledge bank world and they've never made the cross over and they've never committed treason to their way and joined your team, I pray. Maybe even today they would do that and let someone know God, for those of us who know you as our Savior, may we remember that you are real and you are here and that your love is rich. And may we run to your arms. In Christ's name we pray.